You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We've got our take cannons loaded and ready. ready. Absolutely dominant on deep routes. Absolutely dominant on short the routes. boys are back, baby. Excellent separation against man coverage. This is Reception Perception, the show. Yo, what's cracking, everybody? James Co. Matt Harmon here with you. You're listening to Reception Perception, the show. Uh, you know, I'm based out of here in L.A., as, uh, as everyone knows, Matt, but um, even out there. But, hey, hey listen. The days are getting shorter, my friend, and today we're uh, we're breaking out the jumpers, as they say, uh, across the pond. But uh, but yeah, man, we're um, the days are getting shorter. The the weather's getting a little bit colder here. It feels like football weather, baby. It feels like football weather. Yeah, this is my first fall, like real fall in a while, you know, because I'm back here on the East Coast. Sure. Obviously, there's no real seasons out there in L.A. No, I mean, there are not. Sort- nope. There sort of kind of is. I mean, you know, you're talking about. Um, but you know you become a big baby too when you live out there, right? Like, like ooh, <laughs> totally. seven, 71 totally. degrees. Better put that sweatshirt on. But no, yeah, the day I, yeah. I hate the how short the days get, man. I mean, it's like yeah, four fifty. Not as we're recording this, but like you know, it gets like four fifty five, like five o'clock here, and like I gotta, I gotta bust out the extra lights, you know, for the show, like that we did on yep. Monday when we tape at like five p.m. Eastern. I gotta bust out that. It's like I went. Went to the grocery store after we taped the show. It's like six thirty at night, and it's pitch black, <laughs> pitch, pitch, freaking black. And it's just like, well, I get why people talk about seasonal depression. When I'm like yeah. driving down the road, you know, to the grocery store, it's like, God, yo, it's like six thirty. It feels like it's midnight. This is awful. I know. I know. And then we do this daylight saving stuff and it just makes no sense. All right. Anyways, um, enough about the weather. I feel like we're, we're two old men talking about the weather here, but that's okay. Um, I, I, I want to start the show off. First of all, we're going to get to a lot of rookies today. Today's all about yeah. the rookies. Okay. But before we get to that, we do have to talk a, a, about a, a veteran on the Buffalo Bills by the name of Stefan Diggs. Yo, Matt, what is going on here, man? Like, listen, normally when this stuff happens, you know, the, the saga stuff, the drama stuff, uh, we don't touch on it too often because usually it doesn't mean anything, you know, but it just seems like a consistent, you know, theme, a consistent story, a consistent drumbeat with Stefan Diggs and like an increasing, seemingly increasingly fractured relationship with his quarterback and Josh Allen. Look, after they lose to the Broncos, his freaking brother who's on, on IR, he's not even playing, yo. He's not Man. even playing Trayvon Diggs out here tweeting out, caping up for his brother, telling, telling, telling everybody that Stefan's got to get out of there, posting stats before and after for Josh Allen before his bro got there. Said Josh Allen didn't start going off till bro got there. Like, yo, what is going on? This, this very much has like the OBJ's dad doing cut-ups type of feel right now uh, in Buffalo, man. It's it's very eye-rolling, and it's just like, come on, man. What is happening out here? Yeah, and I mean, is anything going to come of it right now? No. No, because obviously, trade deadline's like, passed. Trade, trade deadline's passed. Like it, it obviously speaks to some consternation in the building. Um, you know, and we knew that there was something going on in the offseason, right? When um, Diggs missed minicamp or did he not miss? But, you know, and then Sean McDermott kind of stepped in it when he talked about it. Um, a lot of the 
I don't think there's any fracture in the relation in the relationship person to person between Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs. Like I think right. those guys are really tight. Uh, you they're know, boys. I've talked they're boys. I've talked about these guys. I, I know the both these guys a little bit. Like I think that re- the person to person relationship is solid. And I don't think that and I, I think Stefan Diggs knows that his brother is right that Josh Allen didn't start popping off necessarily until uh, Stefan Diggs got there in terms of like Josh Allen is an elite um, non-Patrick Mahomes top tier quarterback in the NFL before Steph Diggs got there. Now he did take a a step forward. I think what is in his uh, third season, second season Mm -hmm. uh, in the league when John Brown and Cole Beasley got there and Dayball. Yeah. The whole thing, like these guys had already started to make some progress. Diggs took it over the top, but I also think that Steph Diggs knows that, Josh Allen helped take Steph Diggs over the top from a oh, national yeah. perspective. Exactly. You know, I mean, I don't we, see Trayvon uh, Diggs posting Stefan Diggs's numbers before and after Josh Allen. You know what I'm saying? No, no. <laughs> Go ahead and no. post those numbers too, right. right? Like, come on, bro. Like, what's happening out here? Right. And the reason that he uh, got himself out of Minnesota and got <laughs> to Buffalo is he was tired of playing with Kirk Cousins at the time. And in a right. I don't even know if it was a Kirk Cousins thing, it was more of a playing in Mike Zimmer's boomer ball run heavy yeah, offense, right. you know, sort of thing. So um, there, there's just that, that, that there is obviously that dynamic there too. And I think Diggs knows that, you know, there was a video. I always come back to this one. It was from Thanksgiving last year against the lions where, you know, um, th- these two guys start to say about how thankful they are and like, like breaking up in tears a little bit because of like like I and I remember Dig says like I appreciate I'm thankful for you man like more than you know type of thing like these these guys right. I think know that they helped elevate each other for sure. I think Diggs's frustration uh does come back to you know like not getting the ball enough in certain situations and I realize that we're talking about like a guy who's heavily targeted in Stefan Diggs. It's not mm-hmm. the raw target totals. It's like right. when they go away from Diggs and start to try to get it, you know, again, in certain situations, all right, Diggs is double covered. We're going to go away from him here. Like, you know, there's a single high situation. I'm going to fling the ball on like a clear out route to Gabe Davis, even though I probably shouldn't or whatever. I think that it was the source of the frustration. That was what it, I think Ben Volan reported was the source of the frustration coming out of the playoffs last year and right. into uh, this regular season. Obviously, Ken Dorsey, the offensive play caller and coordinator, has been relieved of his duties yeah. uh, after Monday Night Football, which, look, the timing of it obviously is a total scapegoat thing. It wasn't as if uh, Ken sure. Dorsey is responsible for the 12 men on the field or the back-to-back <laughs> zero blitz calls. <laughs> Not that right. I, I don't have as much of a problem with the calls as uh, the defensive play calls as much as everybody else does, but that's a topic for another day. And it wasn't as if Gabe or uh, Ken Dorsey sitting there calling the Gabe Davis drops the ball to a Broncos interception play or the James Cook fumble play. Like some of it is just execution, but I think it's just all a reflection right now, James, of where the Bills find themselves, mm-hmm. which is just like they were supposed this it was supposed to be better than this they were ever right. since they didn't ever since the 13 second thing it feels like this team has been oh. operating with the weight of the world yeah that's why and i don't think Diggs is a guy who's making it any better by by being this way i don't think the pressure on the team they've not responded well to that pressure and now they find themselves potentially on the outside looking in this year and Sean McDermott has fired both of his coordinators in the last few months not a good sign when you're yeah, not a good sign at all. And and by the way, I, I've said this before and I'll say it again. Sean McDermott's supposed to be the defensive guy. Okay. Mm. His team has not played good defense when he doesn't have like a, a freaking all pro at, at every level at every position. Okay. Right. So I'm just saying, like, when you're the defensive guy and your team doesn't play good defense, and also they collapse in critical spots. Yeah. That that's on you. That's on you. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I don't know, man. That's not a good look um, overall. You know, ha- have you seen a difference in usage for Stefan Diggs? Again, you talk about them going away from him in critical spots. And as a matter of fact, the, against Denver, it really made no sense, right? Like five targets uh, here for um, Stefan Diggs in, 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 you know, this uh, most recent week, week number 10. Uh, seven targets there, which is fine, but it's not like, you know, you, you'd like to see more than seven targets in a loss to Cincinnati as well, right? So yeah. 
I'm not saying it's like perfectly correlated. Listen, against New England, he he saw 12 targets, only brought home six of them, right? But again, um, you'd like to see him a little bit more heavily involved, considering the the depth of receivers that they have, uh, you know, outside of Stephon Diggs. Yeah, in hindsight, you actually look back on the Broncos' defense, which had been improving coming out of their bye right. week. Um, you know, the 70 point disaster was one thing, but they had steadily started to trickle uh, in yep. some better defensive performances. You know, they have a lockdown number one corner in Patrick Sertan, who had given up some plays to start the year, but like every corner right. is going to give up plays. But like still overall, he's a great lockdown man to man cover corner. Like you can just see that's a perfect example of like that's a quote bad matchup for the offense, right? Because Sertan's going to lock down digs. But then, like, you've, as the play caller and the play designer, and, like, I know every every NFL analyst has bent over backwards to be like, well, look at the Bills' EPA per play. Look at the Bills' EPA, like, and, and success rate. And all these metrics are really good. Like, why would they fire their offensive coordinator? Well, number one, you don't do this without, like, Josh Allen having some frustrations. Or right. Other players in the uh, other players right. having some level of frustration with the way the offense ha- has been designed and called and et cetera, et cetera. So that, that's – you know, just beside the point there, but that's a perfect example of what I'm talking about. It was like, okay, well now that is on you as the play caller and the play designer to do something about that in game. Um, I think the Jaguars are really struggling with this with Calvin Ridley right now. We're like, ah, we can't get the ball to Calvin Ridley because he's lined up as like the ISO X receiver and like he's not, you know, getting perfect separation over there. It's like, well, okay, do something about that, right? Like do something about the fact that teams are taking away (laughs) Stefan Diggs and like, besides like all right well we'll just go to Gabe Davis because like this is my biggest issue with Buffalo right now it's like look at this team on just on offense defense whole separate discussion look at the team on offense right now and tell me that like Brandon Bean hasn't galaxy brained himself into building a weird offense you know and and like it's okay Gabe Davis he's had these moments well he's had these moments but he's not a consistent number two you drafted the guy in the fifth round okay Um, All right, we want a pass-catching running back so bad. Well, we didn't get J.D. McKissick. Well, we have to draft James Cook. And then we have to draft – or we have to trade for Naheem Hines in the middle of last season. It's like, why don't you just draft a receiver? Well, we got to get a tight end that's basically a wide receiver. So we're going to get Dalton Kincaid. Well, that's funny. Why don't you just get a wide receiver? Like, you don't have to have the. Josh Allen was really, really good when right. he had Stefan Diggs and he had Cole Beasley and he had John Brown. And then you could sprinkle in Gabe Davis. It's like, well, that's a really good receiver room because you have a high quality slot who is a proven veteran in Cole Beasley. You have a great field stretcher and a full field separator in John Brown. You have an elite number one receiver uh, in, right. in, in Steph Diggs. And then you can <laughs> sprinkle in Gabe Davis. But it's like, that's when you just had four really good receivers, not like a tight end who's a receiver and a running back who can catch pass. It's like, geez, just how about a normal <laughs> offense? How about a normal offense? I love it. Um, hey, when I look at the, the percentage of routes that he runs uh, between 2021 and 20, like the 2020, 2021 Brian Dable seasons versus last year uh, when we first saw Ken Dorsey, it just seems as if Diggs is running, um, at least through the, the the charting, that he's running fewer of these intermediate area routes, right? Um, you know, we're saw we saw his dig and curl route percentages go down. We've seen mm-hmm. his, uh, you know, maybe his. Uh, and even a little bit over the top, um, it's either checkdowns or, or or long balls. It seems like for Stefan Diggs, and really, I think where this guy thrives and is one of the best receivers in the game is in that intermediate area of the field. And I think Brian Dable got that. I I yeah. don't know if Ken Dorsey gets that. Um, it seems as if, and, and I'll be really interested to see what the twenty twenty three numbers end up looking like. But it just seems as if. The, the, the play designs are calling for either Diggs to be really close to the line of scrimmage or trying to beat a man over the top, and they're really not utilizing his skill set um, as an absolute killer uh, in the intermediate and middle areas of the field. Yeah, and look, the reality is Josh Allen's got to play well, too, got to play a little bit better. I mean, I think he's played very well this year. It's just the turnovers. You can't really just yada yada the turnovers, though. Right. Um, oh, those are bad. Course. They're backbreakers. Yeah, right, because it just it puts you in a hole. I do think teams know that, yeah, if you line up in like cover one or man coverage, like 
Josh is going to Stefan every time, like because you know he's a single coverage. He can run over the top there, or he can come back on that hitch route or a comeback. And, and, and like nobody's better than Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs really in those situations. Right. Now, if you go too high, you play zones, you know, you spread this thing out a little bit more. That's when I think you can start to rattle Josh Allen a little bit. I mean, a great example is um, the, the Jets always seem to have – who they're playing this week. The Jets always seem to have Josh Allen in a brain pretzel because they do something – and it, this is exactly what we're talking about. They do something to change the picture, bracket, you know, cover two uh, on Diggs' side. All right, you can look there, and he's he's not perfectly like – He's not perfectly open. He's like NFL open, but he's not like wide ass open. Clock speeds up. That's when you know you can get Josh Allen kind of on tilt a little bit on the field, and then he's going to throw, you know, uh, an outbreaking route to um, Deontay Hardy with two guys over him, you know, in a zone coverage situation like he did against the Broncos on Monday night. Like, right. there's a lot of issues compounding itself. And I think as the offensive coordinator and the play designer, your job is to find a way around that. Is to, yeah. is to sort of massage those issues out. Right. That has not happened under Ken Dorsey. I think that is probably why we're in this spot right now, even if I agree that he is obviously a scapegoat in this situation. And overall, the offense is good. But, like, overall, the offense is always going to be good when you have Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. It's just yeah, the small correct. details. And I think that's where D- Buffalo is falling apart is on the small details. And some of that's on the players. Some of that's on the design. And some of that, I think, is just straight up the – the pressure that this team is under right now from a, from a, just where they are at this point. I don't know what Joe Brady's going to do for him. I mean, I kind of thought Joe Brady was a scapegoat in Carolina under right. Matt rule. Totally. So, totally. I think, I think he's done some good things at times, but I'm not sure he's just going to come in here and fix everything either. I'm actually excited about it. Cause I, I think he'll give it a fresh look. Look, it's too late in the season to, to revamp the playbook. You know, you just can't right. do that. Right. So but it's it's all about when you call the plays, what plays are you emphasizing in practice, you know, because the playbooks are going to be pretty extensive. Right. So I will be interested to see what Joe Brady is able to do from a play calling standpoint and what they emphasize in practice. I always feel like and I say this all the time, man, but like what makes the great coaches great is is a little bit of the in-game adjustment stuff, but like how well are they organized during practice, man? So like, Mm -hmm. can Joe Brady do this uh, during their practice time where they focus on the right things and get these guys' minds right uh, in terms of a play calling aspect. And again, a a scouting aspect as well. Like, can you beat this? Can you beat what the defensive coordinator on the other sideline is trying to do? We're going to find out with Joe Brady, but I'm excited at least to see it because I don't think, and I think, I think this has been truly proven is that Dorsey didn't have that. I just yeah. don't think Dorsey had the answers to when the defensive coordinator, there was no counterpunch. Where's the counterpunch uh, that we saw Good with point. Brian? Da- Brian Dable was the master of counterpunches. Uh, I don't think we've seen that here with Ken Dorsey. So anyways, um, by the way, should be noted, Josh Allen, he's the cover boy for Madden 24. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Madden curse okay. alive and well. <laughs> uh, let's talk about some so many different ways. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast mother's day is around the corner 
Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I know it really does. Uh, the Rooker Report, by the time you are listening to this, is out. And this is like a little like it, it's like an early Christmas for our reception perception subscribers. People just go crazy for this, man. It's like chum in the water. Uh, people go nuts for the rookie report. Um, and, and obviously our, our guy, Matt Harmon, does such an incredibly good job uh, highlighting about where these guys. It's a temperature check on these young players. So let's just start right out the bat. Um, one of your favorite players, Matt Harmon, is Josh Downs. Uh, I mean, the, the fantasy community loves Josh Downs, but I swear to God, there's you were the first guy to just be all in on Josh Downs, and, and obviously he has proven you correct. So uh, give us the rookie report or at least some of the highlights here on Josh Downs. Yeah, look, um, Josh Downs was number one in the class and success rate versus man coverage um, among the charter prospects. Actually, before before we talk to Josh Downs specifically, I think this is a good time to say this about the rookie report in general. I think the most valuable reps you get from these guys is right now, is, is as soon as they hit the NFL field. Now, does everybody just stay the same forever? No, but we know that, especially in reception perception, these numbers are pretty static. They're pretty consistent. They're pretty stable year over year. So like, what I see from guys in the rookie report, I think not as a 100% rule, but for the most part is more valuable than any collegiate data point, reception perception or otherwise. Like who they are right now is much more important than who they were to me, mm. you know, when they were whatever their dominator rating was or in, in their <laughs> sophomore year of college. Okay. I don't care. Fair. I don't care yeah, about okay. what they're doing in the NFL. Okay. Right. So now Downs. Again, I liked him a lot as a prospect. I think the theme of this class, James, might end up being guys like Josh Downs being better than some of the first round picks in this, which isn't like, oh, that's a crazy take. But I think there's actually a lot of day two guys in this class, you know, some even day three guys maybe, that are just going to end up being straight up better than some of the players picked in round one this year. And Downs, obviously, is a great example of that because this dude has just been so so good so far uh josh downs in the rookie report his success rate versus man coverage is 81.5 percent. wow wow <laughs> well obviously i know i know obviously that's really high um you know that number will come down whenever the final numbers come in almost all of the rookie report numbers are going to be higher than their year-end numbers it's just, just for the just guys that are very quickly <clears throat> for people who are not indoctrinated into this whole success rate versus man coverage thing. Stefan Diggs led the NFL in success rate versus man coverage last year at 79.4%. Okay. So for Josh Downs to just come in here and just drop an 80 burger. Um, yo, that's, that is impressive. But, but, but again, just go ahead, go keep going. Yeah. 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 Success rate versus zone coverage, 85.5% for Josh Sheesh. Downs. He's only had five press attempts, but he has an 80% success rate. I mean, like I'm saying Josh Downs has been one of the best separators in the NFL this year, period. Period. Not one of the, period. Not one of the best rookie separators. Like wow. I'm talking about guys getting open in the NFL right now. He's up there. I mean, A.J. Brown in the in-season charting data, 80% success rate versus man. Like, that's where Josh Downs is, 80% success rate versus press for A.J. Brown. That's where Josh Downs is. You know, Jamar Chase, 81% success rate versus zone. Devontae Smith, 81% success rate versus zone. Chris Olave, 81% success rate versus zone. Um, Josh Downs is up there, man. I mean, he really is, I think, 
a slam dunk draft pick by Chris Ballard. Um, just a perfect fit for this offense. He's been so good. He's been great. I posted one of the clips on Twitter of him making like uh, to the sideline difficult catch out of his frame, which we know is was in Josh Downs' bag. Uh, as a collegiate player, I can't believe this guy went in the third round behind some of the names that were taken ahead of him. I mean, just absolutely outrageous <laughs> stuff. I had him in the same tier as some of the guys that went in the first round this year because sure. that was where uh, I thought he belonged. I thought he was a great prospect. He's been that guy so far in the NFL. And right. man, I, the Colts, it's 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 a shame that we're not getting Anthony Richardson with them this year, but there's just so much positivity that I could talk about with that team right now. Uh, you talk about Josh Downs pairing there with Michael Pittman. And, um, and by the way, I, I know Alex Pierce has been pushed down the pecking order to number three, but that's fine. I think it's, you know, again, a, as a vertical X receiver who is, you know, uh, can, can <laughs> he doesn't see a lot of targets because Gardner Minshew, but that's okay. Um, as you mentioned, with, our, uh, with Anthony Richardson, you know, set to come back next year, I do wonder what this offense will look like, man. Although, man, it should be noted too, Anthony Richardson has had a very long history with injuries man um and the way that he just is so physical out there uh running around too it's just i don't know I, i'm i'm worried uh, i really yeah. am i'm i'm worried about the colts and their quarterback situation dude but but again <clears throat> by the way it should also be noted that uh, it doesn't surprise me that some of these day two day three guys might be better than the first round um compatriots because this was universally panned as a wide receiver class right like no one yeah. thought that this was a strong wide receiver class at all. Um, the fact that we had so many go in the first round is more an indication of where the league is going offensively versus, I think, like the talent level of some of these guys. And I'm sure, it's, as you'll highlight, some of these dudes um, are good players anyways. But um, Josh Downs, man, uh, th- look, you're wondering how he fell into the third round. There's a bunch of James Coe's running around as GMs. That's why. Okay. Sizes. Yes. <laughs> There's a bunch of sizes. Okay. I'm just saying. All right. Like, you know, I, I, I'm, you know, I, I wouldn't, I don't blame some of these guys for passing on, on, a, on a guy who is uh, so undersized, but what a great route. Run. I can't believe some of these numbers are thrown out here for Josh Downs, man. Yeah. I mean, either. Um, I mean, he doesn't really get open on like nine routes and stuff like that, but um, just in terms of the, the routes he gets open on, curls, flats, comebacks, outs, corners, digs, uh, slants. Like he's, he's really there from like a short and intermediate perspective. He's, he's open on all of these routes. He's an incredible separator. And I mean, Michael Pittman, I think is, is right now the most underrated receiver in the NFL. Like I think Mm. he belongs in that category. I know I'm, I'm sure I say all the time, like this guy's the most underrated receiver in the NFL all the time. Cause there's a lot of guys I think are pretty underrated, but truly if you had to say like, you know, gun to head, who is the most mm-hmm. underrated player like that every almost everybody underrates, you know, not straw men that Matt Harmon sees on Twitter, like <laughs> truly is underrated league wide. I do uh-huh. think um, I do think it's Michael Pittman just because this guy's a true one separates at all levels. Um, I think the Colts should have no hesitation in giving him a big fat contract at the end of the year. Um, don't let him get the free agency, right? Because like if T yeah. Higgins is on the market and, and whoever doesn't get T Higgins is going to pay out the nose for Michael yeah. Pittman because right. like they'll, they'll be looking for that. But like, he's a big receiver who is a huge um, catch radius guy, but really is yeah. more of a separator too. So I think him and downs are like a great tandem again. Yeah. I'm with you totally on the Anthony Richardson. Like he's got to stay healthy and everything, but you have a guy in Alec Pierce who's mostly running wind sprints and stretching the defense out. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're not going to get a ton of targets doing that. It's like that's because he's not close to as good of a separator as Pittman or Josh Downs. So I love this tandem, though, for for Indianapolis going forward as long as uh, they can get Pittman under contract and yeah. Richardson can be good to go. Yeah, good stuff there. Okay, um, so uh, we're, we're gassing up Josh Downs here. Uh, a, a guy who came out the gates on fire, looked great early, but has cooled a little bit here uh, more in recent weeks. I'm uh, talking about Baltimore wide receiver rookie in Zay Flowers. What did you find there? Yeah, so he's another guy with some really solid numbers against man coverage, 73.5%, which I think is the most important one because it's kind of a narrative around Zay Flowers that, well, he can't really win against big boy NFL coverage uh, because we see him get a lot of design routes. And okay, if you take away his design routes and design targets and screens and all that, you know, what's he really doing? Well, I mean, I would argue he's doing quite a lot. (laughs) You look at his ability to get open on curl routes and post routes and nine routes and and like comebacks and outs and, and and digs, like it's really to me, it's all there. Um, I, I think 
I think they're kind of leaving meat on the bone, you know, and he's running a lot of curl routes and, and post routes. All those routes I mentioned, he's running at at least an average, except the nine route, he's running at at least an average or above average rate. He's not getting the ball on those plays. And hmm. I think that's something where Baltimore is leaving a little bit of meat on the bone there with him. Look, he's a rookie. They're tr- I'm sure they're trying to not overload him. I don't even think he's had 80 receiving yards yet yet in a game has Zay Flowers, but the fact that he's open so much, um, and yes, there's obviously the design stuff. Of course you want to get the ball in this guy hand in this guy's hands. He's I mean, freaking electric, like an electric factory there. He's been in space on 14 attempts that I've charted so far. He's only gone down on first contact on four of those plays. Like mm. he is really, really impressive in the open field. So I understand why they're getting him the ball there. But like, I really think you can ask him to do from the slot or, you know, as a flanker, these big boy receiving routes, like get these out routes. He's getting open on throwing the ball, like, you know, comebacks, throwing the ball post uh, dig routes, curl routes, throw the ball a little more. I I feel like the, the curl and comeback, um, so much of that is based on timing. You throw that on late, Mm -hmm. man, and that's getting picked off. Right. So, Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I think it doesn't surprise me that, you know, we're talking about Lamar Jackson and a rookie wide receiver. There needs to be a little bit of build up time there. So uh, I'm hopeful that as the season wears on, um, when we start talking about comebacks and curls that, yeah, he will find that timing. Um, will Lamar with Zay Flowers. So we might see a little bit more of that as the season wears on too, because again, it's so much of it is based off of timing. All right. So um, I, I really like what I've seen from Zay Flowers. Obviously everyone's really liked what they've seen from Josh Downs. Um, for me, it's a little bit uh, up and down when we're talking about Jackson Smith and Jigba. I know people are, are you know, a little bit over their, uh, over their heads here with them, but um, from a production standpoint, especially, but I don't know from what I've seen, I think it's been a little up and down. I don't know. What, what are the charting find for JSN? This one's complicated because I think some of his overall numbers look pretty good. Um, like he looks fine. I think if I had if I had to put like a word on JSN, I think he looks mm-hmm. fine. You know, it's an eighty percent success rate versus zone. It's a seventy percent success rate versus man. Look, those are fine numbers, right? Um, yeah, I mean, his, absolutely. His numbers against press are kind of like average. I do think I'm wondering, like, all right. you can tell I'm hesitating a little bit because it's like, <laughs> what's, what's the standout thing with JSN? You know, like what's, um, his, I think ma- that's, his- yeah, because that, that's what it is for me. It's like, he makes the plays that are available. I don't know if I've seen anything where you're like, wow, that was, right. that was a outstanding, you know, or a consistently outstanding trait of his. I guess I just don't see that part of it. Yeah, I think he's gotten better at beating man coverage the longer that he's played. Like that success rate versus zone number has been pretty stable for him, right yeah, around good. that 81, 79, 80% mark. But the success rate versus man has bumped up from like the first two games that I logged when in the beginning of the season was kind of like 66%. And then he sort of bumped up the longer he played, which is good. Like, yeah. But again, 70%, a solid. That's fine. But right. um, and I think this is the problem with him this year is just like, okay, well, you're competing with DK Metcalf and you're competing with Tyler Lockett and like fine is not good enough to command targets or ever be like the first read uh-huh. guy there because those two are still what they are. Like, yeah, that, that, that's been the problem so, so far from a production standpoint from, from JSN. But yeah, I think, look, when you look at like some of his best routes, even just overall, like his slant route success rate 76%. That's, that's fine. His dig route success rate is 71.4%. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been uh, pretty good on outbreak, like outbreaking routes, like the comeback and the flat and the out, which I do think long-term, like if he is going to be the Cooper cup in Shane Waldron's offense, which is, I okay. think what he was probably drafted to be those, um, those numbers are going to be pretty important and pretty critical. But um, I, again, I don't want to say that he is a, He's been a bad player in the NFL. I think he's just been a solid player so far in the NFL. Yeah, exactly. I think that's that is exactly what I feel like when I watch Jason. I'm like, this guy is an absolute professional wide receiver. He's good, um, and he's good. By the way, he's a great fit for this particular team uh, in terms of what they need as well. Uh, Let me ask you this because it it at least needs to be asked. Sometimes uh, you've mentioned, especially with like Chris Olave, like, you know, you, you run these deeper routes, you kind of lollygag them because you know, you're not supposed to be the read uh, on these routes. Right. So with Jason, knowing that he's playing alongside, you know, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, 
Do you feel like, okay, he's like, all right, man, I know I'm probably not the first read. I'm probably not the second read uh, in regards to this. And and I do wonder if there is some of that going on, whether subconsciously or consciously uh, when he's running some of these routes. Yeah, I think that's usually the case with like an Olave where you're that deep route guy where you're you're clearing the field out. You can kind of lollygag that a little bit, but like mm-hmm. if you're JSN and you're lollygagging like your slant routes and your your dig routes, these like slot receiver routes, you're gonna get blown up, right? If you do get yeah. the ball, like you're gonna yeah, you're gonna get clobbered. Uh so I don't know that you can necessarily I mean, look, I'm not JSN, right? I couldn't answer sure. that question necessarily, but the only thing I would say is just like the the thing I'm I would adjust expectations on, and I didn't have these expectations of JSN because like if you look at my stacked prospect rankings, um, mm-hmm. I have I mean I have him graded really highly, but I didn't have him as a tier one receiver prospect, you know. And I had Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave as like tier one receiver prospects, you know, right. top ten worthy guys, ready made stars. Um, you know, JSN to me was more in that like clear first rounder, the, uh, Jamison Williams, Rashad Bateman, uh, Jahan Dotson, Jalen Waddle, Waddle obviously went higher than that. But, um, I think he went in the right range of the draft. Mm -hmm. It just like talk about like, all right, these numbers are fine for JSN. They were not like this for, you know, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. If you remember last year's rookie report, those guys were like, blowing it out the the water before they yeah yeah, through the roof like blowing it out the water before we even really really saw the best of those guys so i just think jason's gonna be a good player but i kind of question whether he's still gonna be like i mean i didn't have him in great in that superstar tier so i don't know if he's necessarily gonna be that player but i think he'll be a very good player a long time for the uh seattle seahawks all right so that's jsn plays a lot out of the slot there uh a green bay rookie in Jaden reed also primarily a slot player there um for for the cheeseheads there in green bay but uh, this is a player where i'm kind of i am very much intrigued the more i watch Jaden reed play the more i like him the more i watch Jaden reed uh and some and even like i mentioned dontavian wicks who will be in the rookie report maybe not on the release date but the mm-hmm. uh the on friday at least i'm going to get some stuff in there on him but like the more i watch of of dontavian wicks and the more i watch of Jaden reed the more i want to see Jaden reed and the less i want to see of christian watson who we talked about <laughs> um on on monday's right, episode right dude i i think reed is a really good player um i wouldn't say he's been perfect so far this year but uh 78.7% or 78.6% success rate versus man 77.8% success rate versus zone obviously the zone number is more wow. important because he plays in the slot and that that's solid it's not great but it's solid mm-hmm. in terms of success rate versus zone but that man coverage number is what leads me to believe like there's a lot of meat on this bone for, for Jaden Reed and who he can become in this Packers offense, man. I really think this is a guy that they can get more out of. And you know, you've seen it a little bit. Like this is, I think the most impressive number for Jaden Reed, 19% of his routes that I've charted have been a post route. His 73.7% success rate versus coverage on post routes, the ability to get open on deep down the field routes, um, 87.5% success rate on dig routes, these big wow. overs. And, wow. you know, you watch Jordan Love against the Steelers in his last game. And, and obviously I charted that game for Jaden Reed. So I'm, mm-hmm. I, it was just fresh on the brain. I think Jordan Love actually played pretty well in that Steelers game. I, uh, I think know, he, he totally did. Absolutely. Obviously two picks, you know, both on targets are Christian Watson, of course. Um, you know, you know, Christian Watson has uh, Jordan Love's thrown ten picks this year. Five of them, according to Pro Football Focus, have been uh, on targets to <laughs> Christian Watson. And Christian Watson hasn't even played a full season. That's crazy, I mean, man. He's been that's banged crazy. up. Yeah, Unbelievable. Anyways, um, like, but you saw Jordan Love uncork some like downfield big boy routes to Jaden mm-hmm. Reed, and I- I'm hoping that we see more of that because. Like I think Love has the talent uh, from a like a, just an arm talent perspective and like an ability to push the ball downfield and Agreed. like I think Jaden Reed because he's mostly playing in the slot and you know wide receiver sizeism is going to get typecasted as this like little pop gun threat in their offense but nah this is a guy that can really really work down the field and and we know he was number. He was number one outside of JSN who didn't have a lot of press attempts. So I kind of throw that out there. Like he was really basically number one in terms of success rate versus press uh, among the prospects uh, in, in terms of the ability to beat press coverage. So, um, and he's only seen four press attempts so far, Jaden Reed in the rookie report, and he's won every single one of them. Like I want to see Jaden Reed utilized more. I want to see Jaden Reed um, utilized in different ways. I, I like a lot of what I've seen so far. 
So Jaden Reed, a below average athlete, if we're being 100% honest here, right? So 5'11", 185, he ran a 4'4", which is which is fine. But given his size, that's not great. Um, 33 and a half inch vertical, again, for his size, not very good. 10, uh, 10'1", broad jump, again, for his size, not good. So uh, we're talking about a guy who is, I would say, uh, he meets the threshold for an NFL athlete, but certainly he's not a great NFL athlete. So when you're talking about a guy breaking down man coverage like this, Matt, can you just talk again and, and really kind of focus in on, 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 he has to be doing this with technique because he's not doing it with athleticism, man. You know, it's funny too. The Packers have allegedly have these like wide receiver thresholds. They're very big on like size and athleticism and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, which is why they end up with a Christian Watson, why they end up with a Romeo Dobbs, like a bigger player, even Dontavian Wicks, who I mentioned, he's a big guy. And then there's old Jaden Reed at 185, 187 pounds. <laughs> Although after he was drafted, he was like, no, no, no I, I bulked up to 190. Like, I'm, I'm 190 plus now or whatever. Yeah, okay. probably the Packers were like, you got to say that so that you – our thresholds, <laughs> our thresholds. Um, but the thresholds. thresholds. No, yeah, yeah but I, I think Jaden Reed's a really good technician. Uh, I think he has made some rookie mistakes this year, which is where that success rate versus zone number is a little bit more down. Mm-hmm. Um, but – and that, again, that can be rookie mistakes. That can be learning on the fly of like, I'm not exactly where Jordan Love wants me to be on this play. I'm not running the route at the perfect depth. So I'm running my dig route into a safety or I'm running, um, you know, my curl route. I'm not sitting down. That's a great, actually, the best example would probably be like his curls and his out routes have been like maybe not at the perfect depth. He's not exactly where he needs to be, he runs himself into his zone. But like when you're just asking this guy to go against man coverage and like, yeah deceive a corner right or or you know sell that vertical route before coming on a dig route or working on a slant like that's really where he's shown I think some pretty good athleticism but also like veteran level savvy uh in against man coverage so that would be interesting to see him work more on the outside but yeah I I would say even at even in college he was a really strong technician that really showed the potential I think I said this a lot about him as a prospect he's like just a few tweaks away from being a really really good player and now after four game sample here in the NFL, I feel like he's a, just a few tweaks away from being a really, really good player. Uh, should be noted that Jaden Reed plays about 75% of his snaps in the slot, um, 25% out wide. Uh, and the production there follows about 75% of his receiving yards have come while lined up as an inside wide receiver. It should be noted though, that two of his touchdown catches did come two of his four mm-hmm. touchdown catches did come, uh, while he was lined up out wide. So he can get the job done um, as a flanker as well. So just again, little, little notes here that point, uh, the, the pointing North here for, for Jaden Reed. Again, I I'm with you, man. Like I said, when I started this little Jaden Reed thing, uh, the more I watch him, I'm just like, this guy can play football, man. Yeah, <laughs> This guy can play football. Um, and he, he's an absolute benefit to any team that has him in the Packers. I think are lucky right now that they've got a separator because as you mentioned, they are there's a a complete lack of 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 receivers there that can separate from man coverage especially when we're talking about Romeo Dobbs um and Christian Watson okay i will say jaden reed not good in contested situations so far in the nfl mm. um that has been at the whether you look at like fantasy points data charting my charting right. uh pffs charting like and that's also there with Christian Watson too, where yeah, he's Christian Watson's one of the worst in contested situations so far this year. Yep. Uh, Jaden Reed is up there too. Like again, that is the sort of thing where maybe if he tweaks that a little bit, similar to college, I had the same college note about him that if he gets a little better on those contested catches, and we're talking about a guy who could be like a Terry McLaurin or or, or you know one of those type of players, uh, not just like a slot guy. But yeah, that's been an issue for Jordan Love, regardless of who he throws to this year. Like his guys are definitely making it a little harder on him. Christian Watson, as we noted in our last uh, episode, has the lowest EPA when targeted in tight windows, the lowest of all wide receivers when targeted in tight windows. So no, he is uh, our guy, Christian Watson, not making plays in coverage for sure. Okay. um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, this rookie in Carolina, Jonathan Mingo. I haven't seen a ton of him. Uh, What have you kind of seen from your charting perspective in regards to Mingo? Oh my God, the Panthers! Jeez, Did you see today? <laughs> wow! Did you see today that song. Frank Reich? Uh, I think actually, as we were recording this, Frank Reich said he's going to take the play calling duties back. Uh, yeah. Oh my Frank, God! I think Frank Reich knows oh his seat God. is hot, hot, hot. He, he's Already? got. He, oh, I think so, man. I think Sheesh. if they don't, 
Yo, listen, you know David Tepper's got a bunch of money. He's he's fine paying out another fired coach contract, even though he just gave Matt Rule like more money than God a couple of years ago. Um he'll he'll go ahead and fire Frank Reich. And I think I think it's all because Frank Reich is not making his boy, being David Tepper's boy, Bryce yeah. Young, look good. You know, I think that's been the problem. Not but dude, Bryce Young, man. Uh, oh, oh, well, oh, well, I just <laughs> it's a little bit of a mess is Bryce Young. Yes. Oh God. It's, it's hard because, and I saw Dan Orlovsky was on Kevin Clark's podcast and uh, you made the point. I saw Kevin Clark tweet about this, that Orlovsky's like thing for Bryce Young. What does he need to do the rest of the season? And Dan Orlovsky said, not get broken mentally. I'm like, <laughs> oh my God. But you know what, though? The problem is, and I'm saying this because the most recent game I charted with Mingo was that Bears game. And, and I'll get to Mingo in a second because he's part of the problem here. But um, it's like Bryce Young just like doesn't even, t- he's just turning down so many downfield throws now, even when they're, and they're not always there they're not like perfectly wide open but yeah he's like Bryce Young take the high and the high low concept challenge please please like <laughs> and I think that's that's the thing where Olavsky's point comes in there is like I think Bryce Young's getting to a point where he's just not gonna rip it downfield um because he just doesn't trust what's there and like these bad habits are already getting put into his game like you know, 10 weeks into his rookie season. That's why I think we could be looking at, even if it's not totally Frank Reich's fault. And I don't think Frank Reich really wanted Bryce Young to begin with. Um, like, I think that, that, that we could end up seeing a change there because this offense is pretty problematic for a lot of reasons. But I mean, let focusing on Mingo. I like Jonathan Mingo as a prospect in one role. I said this so many times, like he needed to be yeah. in like an Amon Ross St. Brown, like big slot receiver role. The problem is James, they have Adam Thielen playing that position. Mm-hmm. So you have two receivers well. there and playing it pretty well. Well, he's playing it fine. He's producing a lot because he's a veteran and like that. He's fine. I, I really <laughs> want to be clear about that. Adam Thielen <laughs> okay. is fine. I'm not, okay. but Adam Thielen is not playing poorly enough for like Jonathan Mingo to take his position because they have Mingo playing as an outside flanker. Um, he's been uh, off the line of scrimmage on 68.6% of his sample snaps. He's been at right wide receiver, 43.9%, uh, left wide receiver, 23.5%. So he's only been in the slot on 25% of his sample snaps here for me in reception perception. And the success rates are not good. 59.4% success rate versus man, 73% success rate versus zone. Both those are Oy. pretty, pretty not good. Yeah, um, that's bad, man. That's, that's, that's not right. good. So he can't – I just don't think Mingo is at a point right now where he can play outside on this, you know, over 60% of his snaps like this. You know, I, I just don't think he is there as a player. And then, I mean, don't even get me started about their X receivers. Good Lord, like they're just get, they're getting literally nothing from DJ Chark <laughs> and literally nothing from Terrace Marshall. Like that got Michael Strawn or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he he comes in there for like the first big play anybody's given them from the X receiver yep. spot, uh, you know. Totally. <laughs> carrier from the Colts. So, Mingo pretty discouraging numbers so far. Um, you know, and he's definitely a guy that can win contested catches, but Bryce Young doesn't really give these guys chances in contested situations. Uh, so, it's all bad right now in the Panthers uh, and Mingo included. Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm curious to see what they end up doing with Mingo with Thielen and, um, and basically just trying to figure out what they want to try to get done here because man, you go one dot one, you, you pass on, 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 um, on CJ Stroud, you, you go take Bryce young. Uh, what, what, how you don't have that many, basically what I'm saying is you don't have that many moves left. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like there's only so many things you can do here. Um, I don't know. Uh, it's 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 interesting to see their their strategy is probably like pray to whatever god you believe in. Let T Higgins get to free agency so we can pay make him the highest paid receiver in the NFL. Oh my god! <laughs> I don't oh even know god. if that solves all their problems, but I no, think it that's doesn't pro- at all. What do you? No, doesn't. absolutely not. No. Yeah, because then they'll ask T-, T Higgins to probably be more than he should be, and then it just right, exactly. the cycle con- the cycle continues. Oh um, so yeah. I, I think Mingo could sa- – I mean, because look at – I mean, Mingo right here, 29% of his routes have been curls. like, And that's what I, we're talking about as an outside guy going against man coverage, working back to the quarterback. No, no, that's not who Jonathan Mingo should be. He should be in the slot and like 
running slant routes and his slant route success rates better, you know, like the 70%, 71%. It's not great, but like still it's at least acceptable. And it probably would be better if he was running purely as a slot guy, but like he should be running those routes, working over the middle of the field, not running like nine routes and, and curl routes on the, on the outside. It just, I mean, he's just doomed to fail at that point. I feel like, you know, it's funny. They should, uh, and I hate the way that they're using Elijah Moore in Cleveland, but honestly, Maybe they should take a few pages out of Cleveland's book for Jonathan Mingo. Stick him in the backfield. Give him some random running back looks. Have him run a couple wheel routes. You know, just yeah. a couple of creative things to kind of figure out how to get Jonathan Mingo involved. Uh, because I, I personally think that if you get the ball to him in space where he doesn't actually have to think about anything and just goes out there and runs, I think he'd be fine. You know, I, I think his body, his size, his speed – uh, and, and actually, uh, th- this is a great question. So wh- what is he doing in space? Is he able to break tackles? By the way, when you run a comeback or a curl, really hard to break tackles because you're coming back to the quarterback, right? So uh, in space, what are you seeing here with Mingo? So <laughs> I chart in space attempts, which for me is a play where you catch the ball uh, and you are you have the ability to break a tackle running after yeah. the catch. He's been in space on 4% of his routes. So Wow. I mean, wow. I would love to tell you what he's doing here, and he's broken a single tackle on three of those, and he's brought down a first <laughs> contact on four of those. So, like seven <laughs> plays so far. That's not a really wide sample. Four percent of his routes. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you there because we so. I was my response to you if you didn't ask me specifically was going to mm-hmm. be like, I like I can't think of one play off the top of my head where. Like Mingo's running, and there are play, those plays are available. He just doesn't get the ball necessarily because it's only like three plays a game. Mm-hmm. Like where he's running a, a, a slant or a crossing route underneath the coverage on like, you know, the middle of the field. And like they just don't throw him the ball or like they're designed. I mean, Adam Thielen catches so many screen plays in this offense. It's like, okay, I get what Adam Thielen has been doing for you, but like, what the F do you think Adam Thielen is going to do with that screen? Okay. He's Adam Thielen. He's 32 years old. Like he's probably going to get, he's going right. to get tackled. Right. Like, let's right. see what Mingo can do there. Cause I agree with you. Like they need to build his confidence up, all that type of stuff. And look again, Mingo is playing in a role right now that I didn't think he would be successful in, in the NFL. I did yeah. not think he could play outside receiver like this. He needs to be off the ball and he needs to be in the slot much like Amon Ross St. Brown was in his rookie year and his second year. And obviously St. Brown is like really taken off to a tier that I don't think Mingo. I mean, I had St. Brown graded despite the, where they went in the draft. I had St. Brown graded much higher yeah, as a prospect yeah, yeah. than, than Mingo a total tier higher. So um, I, I don't know that he has that ceiling of a player. I'm just talking about from a utilization standpoint, that's where he should be used and he would be getting in space in that role. Not in the role he's playing right that's, now. That's you know that's a trade that they should make actually. Cleveland, Carolina should call Cleveland up and just trade Mingo for for Elijah Moore straight up. Um, better for both teams, honestly. If you're going to put Elijah Moore in this weird hybrid running back wide receiver role, just give that to to, to Jonathan Mingo. <laughs> Let's see what's going on. And meanwhile, they need a guy who can actually run big boy routes. Um, you know, from the flanker spot for Carolina, Elijah Moore would be perfect for them. They should make that trade right now. Golly, Elijah Moore on a third team by uh, yes, by, by absolutely. <laughs> Sign me up, uh, inject it right yeah. into my veins. I'll, I'm going to be caping up for Elijah Some, someday, Moore till, till some, I die. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say we'll we'll definitely be doing like you know Curtis Samuel style stuff with uh, Elijah Moore, where it's like all right, one of these years it'll just happen, yeah, but it's going to pop um, for sure. Um, yeah, I, I I think I'm with you though on on the Elijah Moore stuff. It's like, and I think they've kind of gotten away from it. Like, and and I think he's been a little better for it. Not that it's going to matter going forward with. Dory right. Thompson Robinson is their starting yeah. quarterback. I mean, I right. don't know your Pac-12 notes nope. aside here, James. Nope, 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 no, nothing, no, no. nothing. On, I, on listen, I, no. Look, I, I like DTR. I think DTR is fine. Um, uh, obviously, needs a lot of work as a thrower, a lot of work as a thrower. But you know, you he could be a quarterback. Uh, yeah, he could be. Uh, he could be a poor man's Josh Dobbs. He's a playmaker. You know, he's a playmaker. Um, it's, it's funny you make that. I, I make that comparison with Josh Dobbs because Cleveland had Josh Dobbs. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You had Josh Dobbs. I don't understand. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. 
Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, anyways, let's move on. Um, we talked a little bit about JSN. We talked a little bit about that Seattle offense. I want to ask you like this like high-level question here, um, and I don't know how you feel about this, but I'll just throw it out there. Um, speaking of Seattle, has DK Metcalf, do you believe he has peaked as a player um, and I know it's a weird question to ask because he's 25 years old, but I look at his overall numbers, success rate versus man, success rate versus zone, his success rate on various different routes. And and even when you look at the counting stats, a, a lot of it is just the same as it was two, three years ago. You know what I mean? So where are we with DK Metcalf right now? Good question. Um, because... I definitely think you could say that he's peaked as a like we do this sometimes with young players where like, all right, he went from here to here to here. And like just there's going to be a consistent linear progression. And I think for DK, he went later in the draft than he should have. That was stupid. Right. Uh, He was underrated coming into the NFL as a route runner, as an ability, a guy who could beat um, man coverage and press coverage and work on slants and, and, and crossing routes and, and um, downfield like nine routes and post routes, like, you know, kind of who Alec Pierce actually is. That's who people thought DK Metcalf was going to be, which was <laughs> stupid. So when yeah. he was better, when he was better than that, I think then there's like, okay, he's, he's one of the best receivers in the NFL. I think DK is a legit one. I think he's a really good player. Uh, but if he, you know, and we, we had him kind of in the second tier of receivers, definitely a superstar, but not like I don't think he makes the jump like we're seeing CD Lamb make the jump from superstar. Like for CD Lamb, I think great example. He's gone from legit one to superstar to right now. I think if I had to sit here and rank receivers today, I'd put him in the elite group, CD Lamb. Yeah. I think DK gets stuck in that superstar group, not the elite group, which I mean, dude, that's not bad, right? But like, oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I think, yeah, I could, I could see him being kind of stuck right there in the, like he's the 17th to 10th, depending on who you ask and what time of month he's the 17th to 10th best receiver in the NFL. If that makes sense. Yeah. Listen, dude, I I don't mean this as any disrespect. I think DK Metcalf is a hell of a football player. I'm just, I'm looking for that jump. I don't feel like he's made that jump yet. Um, and we thought that we would see it in that third year, especially because his second year he has, you know, 1300 yards, he's got 10 touchdowns and you're like, man, look at the size of this guy. Look at the speed of this guy. Yo, is he improving on his routes? My guy, my guy, DK Metcalf could go for 15 and 15. (laughs) And then he takes a step back. Right. And then, and then again, in 2022, uh, you know, again, 90 catches, uh, 1048 through the air, six touchdowns, a, a 64% catch rate. Those are all fine numbers. Those aren't superstar numbers, you know? And then again, you look at the, the success rate versus man coverage, success rate versus zone coverage, success rate on the nines, the curls, any of the in-breaking type of stuff. It, it's all relatively static from that breakout season that he had his second year. So again, you, I love that you bring up CD lamb because I thought CD lamb, there was a lot of potential there. Right. And you, you say to yourself, man, this guy can really run some routes, but they have mm-hmm. to figure out utilization. Where is he going to line up? Where does he line up? Where, where can he be the most effective? Right. And this is the year that they finally figured it out or he figured it out or whatever. I don't know. Something happened where he's just making that leap now where you're like, yo, yeah. this guy's taken over games. Right. And I just felt like we haven't seen that with DK Metcalf. And again, we're, we're, we're getting a little on in years now. And so I just asked that question wondering will we ever see him make that leap into superstar status well for one i think when we're talking about elite tier receivers like i think if you're going to be an elite tier receiver you have to be able to play multiple spots 
Like you have mm-hmm. to be able to thrive at multiple receiver spots. Like we're talking about with CD lamb. Like he's always been able That's to play point. all three spots. Like you want to line Devonte Adams up in the slot. He's going to kill you in the slot. You want to line him up at X. He's going to kill you at X. You know, it's same with Tyreek, same with, I mean, definitely AJ Brown, Steph Diggs, right. all these guys. Um, I think DK has gotten to a point where it's like, well, he can really only play X, you know, like, and I sometimes think that, look, I'm not saying DK Metcalf is Gabe Davis. And like, if anybody ever did, you should throw them in the river, but okay. So I'm not saying that, (laughs) but like that's the bucket of receivers that he's in. And he is at like the very top of that access um, of the like non elite X receivers in the NFL. He is right there. I would probably say you take out the receiver elite receivers in the league. Um, uh, maybe him, like him and Terry McLaurin, I think are right there at the top, like non elite receivers, but like the best X's in the NFL. Mm-hmm. It's probably those two guys. Now with Terry, I think he can line up at multiple spots. I think DK oh, yeah. can't really be a slot player because he's just not twitched up like that. And I don't think he could really be like an off ball flanker necessarily. But the, one of the weird things with him too, is that we've actually seen him be really bad on not really bad, but inconsistent on 50, 50 balls of late. I look mm-hmm. at his reception perception data 2019 to 2020, 81.3% contested catch rate, both those first two years. Then in 2021, 66.7%, mm. uh, 2022, 69.6%. Those are average uh, numbers. Right, right. Then so far this year, though, I'm looking at Pro Football Focus. They have him one of nine on contested catches. Fantasy Ooh. Points data has him two of 20 Ooh. on contested catches. So, And when you watch the Seahawks, that has been an issue. Um, I don't know if that's always the player's fault. Um, I think a lot of times, and this bears out too, in the in the stats and the targets per route run, when the Seahawks get cover one, like targets per route run, they are going to DK Metcalf. We talked about this a few episodes ago when like typically you go to your, your number one X in that position because you're going to get single high. If Geno's not throwing perfect balls, maybe it's not like perfectly placed there for 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 Metcalf to win it. I don't know how those guys how those services chart, so I'm not gonna like you know whatever. But yeah. just saying, um, I think that's that's part of the issue too. Is just like the ball skills have been a little hit or miss with DK, and like that's something that if we're talking about why he's not on that elite tier, that is another thing I think you could mention. Uh, you bring up the AJ Brown comparisons, and obviously, I think this year is the year where everyone's like, "Okay, yeah, he's that dude. He's a bad man," um, and he has certainly taken the leap. And by the way, we saw him take a leap last year, right? When he goes from Tennessee to Philadelphia, you're like, "Whoa, okay, yo, this AJ Brown guy can play." <laughs> um, and and Tennessee got absolutely hosed on that trade. And then to go from that again to to see that leap and that growth from 2021 to 2022, and then going from 2022 to 2023 taking another leap, right? That's the, I feel like it, I love that you brought up AJ Brown because that is the type of growth and, and, and leap in that comparison that we wanted to see from DK going from his second year to his third year, his third year to his fourth. And it just, like I said, it just hasn't been there. And I don't mean this as any kind of disrespect because DK is so freaking good. He's so yeah. good. He's such a good player. It's just, you can't help but feel like you want just a little bit more. You just want a little bit more because you see I, this yep. guy, man, and you see him running around out there, and you're like, yo, this guy could be a problem. He could be A.J. Brown. He could absolutely be A.J. Brown, but he's not. And that's why I asked that question. Yeah, he's not. And, I mean, even, like, I know we're talking about he A.J. Brown has made the leap, but, like, Dude, this guy has been this player in reception perception for a long time, right? 79% success rate versus man in his second season, 78.8% uh, in his third season, then obviously 78.9% last year. In terms of his ability to beat press, he's been over 80% in three straight seasons. Um, his success rate versus zone coverage, which that's always been actually kind of a – not a problem, but like a weaker point for for DK. And that has been true for all of the like non elite X receivers, even like at the height of their powers. I mean, McLaurin's never been like an elite zone beater. He's been in, in a, a near elite man beater, but he's never been an elite zone beater. Um, Alan Robinson, a great example. He was great against man coverage. He was not as much against zone coverage, even when he was at kind of like the height of his powers. I think Ayuk in previous seasons, although this season, I think although he's started to steadily climb up and he, I, you know, I don't think he has a ceiling as a player. I think he has a higher ceiling than a guy like DK Metcalf. Mm-hmm. He, um, 
had that issue to start his career. Like Mike Evans at times has been really good against man, not as much against zone coverage. So um, that I think is, is part of it. AJ Brown, like he cracks the 81% success rate versus zone last year. That is right. like the official you're in the elite tier of receivers overall. That's why he belongs in that group and Metcalf maybe doesn't. And, and last thing on DK, maybe stop eating fucking candy. Okay. <laughs> what? Wow, that one came out of nowhere. What? <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. What do you mean? Did you see? Did you what see? You did you see this? Did you, you see mean? this Jameson Williams thing yesterday, dude, bro? Why is my guy Jameson? Will- How did we not lead the show with this? How is my guy Jameson Williams eating an Oreo, you know, McFlurry inside of a cheeseburger? What is going on there? What is going on here, Jameson Williams? I, I'm not saying. I'm just saying. I, if 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 you if you don't end up being something in the NFL, I know we're gonna look at this and say the warning signs were there. The warning signs were there. Yeah, uh, our guy Zach Miller, by the way, I think went out and did this. Which, like, Zach, you're lucky. You're lucky. I needed your help with the rookie report this week because otherwise you would have just been <laughs> fired for for doing this type of nonsense. Um, but I, you know, I had a lot of people oh, reply man. to me like. Oh, well, DK Metcalf eats three bags of candy, you know, a day. And remember, did you see the thing about DK's diet, right? He said that he, his diet is literally he eats one meal a day, he drinks a cup of coffee, and then he eats three bags of candy. That's, oh my God. that's what he does. Um, wow. And uh, he said that, in, I think, on Kevin Garnett's podcast in the in the offseason. Wow. KG certified. Um, so he's, this is literally the quote from an article I'm reading right now from DK. I'm just going to take you through yesterday. So yesterday I woke up, worked out, worked out again. I came home and showered. I'm hungry, run to Starbucks, get a quick coffee. That's going to hold me till four or five o'clock. This is going to hold me for like four hours around four 30, order some candy and water. Got the Skittles gummies. Then I got this lifesavers creations. I don't even know what these things are. They are the same, ba- uh, same size bag. So I just mix them, get the gummy, get the candy, get the water, eat that. That's going to hold me till like eight o'clock. I'm having dinner at How? eight, nine. And then I eat dinner. I go to sleep. I'm a candy eater. Hey, how? Maybe if he stopped eating, maybe stopped eating so much candy, he could get into the elite tier of receivers. I'm joking. Obviously, DK Metcalf could out-athlete my ass any day of the week. How is he Just doing saying. this? How, I have how no you, idea. Matt, Matt, how, like, how do you go on these crazy workouts? And by the way, he like if you've seen his workouts, he's an absolute animal. How do you work oh, on these? Yeah. How do you do these workouts and have a cup of coffee and then say, I'm good? What? <laughs> That doesn't make sense. How is his stomach not eating his entire body? What is going on here? How do you have a work? How do you work out that hard and just have a cup of coffee? I've literally never thought that. I've never in my life thought that after going to the gym. I'm I'm super hungry. Let me just have a cup of coffee and and it'll hold me over for another four or five hours. What? What are you talking about? That doesn't make sense. Yeah, I mean, I've done the intermittent fasting thing before, but still, I mean, I'm not an elite. Again, not a, an elite athlete like DK Metcalf, or maybe he's maybe he's a great athlete. But you know, if he just would eat uh, some, da- I don't know what he's eating for dinner. By the way, like that's kind of the crucial thing here. He says he eats dinner. <laughs> he didn't mention like what that dinner is. I'm <laughs> sure true. it's like that's true. I, I'm sure it, it has to be. It has to be like five pounds of grilled chicken just to even have the necessary protein your body's going to need to look like that and be like that if you're DK Metcalf. But that's what I mean. Yeah, man. I, um, where does the protein uh, come from? I have a lot of questions. Unbelievable. Uh, I'm, I'm glad we're digging into this, um, as the official wide receiver podcast, we're we're digging into the dietary (laughs) habits of some of these guys. Uh, All right. Well, there you go. That's the show. Um, I can't believe we talked about that, but that was a lot of fun. All right. That's good. Um, Hey, listen, we're going to catch up with you here next week. Uh, Everyone have a a, a great week 11. I can't believe we're in week 11 already. This is good stuff. Uh, But again, if you guys want to find us, receptionperception.com, Rookie Report will be out. Be sure to go to the website, hit that up and hit up me and Matt uh, on Twitter as well. All right. we'll, We'll catch you guys soon, man. For Matt Harmon, I'm James Coe. We'll see you, and remember, it's never too late to chase your dreams.